Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Good morning. You know, um, we were going through a series that had to do with uh, the old stories of Sunday school, right? The old favorites. And we hit Christmas time, so we're going to probably dovetail both those things this morning in a story we've heard again and again and again. And that's the story from the end of Luke 2 about the shepherds and the, uh, and the angels. I was thinking of this last night when um, Mark and Billy and JJ were leading, uh, Mark likes to do this once a year on, uh, right before Christmas on Saturday night, is like sing about 16 Christmas carols, one verse of each, you know, just go all the way through them, and I thought, practically every one of these Christmas songs has something to do with the shepherds, right, and the angels visiting, uh, some aspect of it. So I want to uh, just talk about that this morning and maybe just give you a little, some maybe a fresh idea or two that the Lord shared with me about this. Um, I know that uh, just from talking to a number of people at church and at school and places like that, that uh, people... It, you know, just this last year, there have been some people who've been disinvited from Thanksgivings or Christmas get-togethers or birthdays and stuff. Some of it has to do with politics. Some of it has to do with vaccination status, maybe other things that are, that are involved there. But I feel like the shepherds were the perfect guys to get invited to Jesus' birthday. They were the perfect birthday guests. And I'm going to explain that, but first, let me just go through the story uh, with you a little bit, and I was thinking of uh, there were like three words that really stuck out to me as I as I read through this story again and again. And one was the word terrified, uh, the word savior, and the word peace. And then I'm going to go back to how I think those shepherds were the perfect invitees to this to this birthday. So the first word is the word terrified, and that comes right away in the story. So let me, um, let me take you to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. This, is what, this makes people think that possibly this was either in the uh, spring or the fall, because typically shepherds would be out in the fields with their flocks at those times of year over there. In the winter, they would probably be inside, okay? So anyway, it says, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of, God, of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. They were terrified. It's interesting to, to think about this, okay? And I understand this, you know, why they would be terrified here. But I thought, you know, just to give you an insight into this. Remember a couple weeks ago, um, it wasn't that one. Where are we here? I'm missing a slide here. Goodness, I'm missing a couple of slides. I wonder how that happened. Um, okay, I'm just going to have to give you the gist of the slide. I hope it's not happening through this here. Um, remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about that guy, Ross Duthot? Uh, no, just back up. Go back up again. Go back to where we were. Yeah, I don't know. I may have to... Do you have any, any pictured slides in there at all? That's interesting. 
Okay, I'm just going to have to kind of, no, go back, go back, go back to where we were. Uh, <laughs> it was the one from Luke 2, 8 to 9 where it said the word terrified there. Okay, remember a couple weeks ago I was talking about this Ross Duthot and this guy had Lyme's disease. And um, he was talking about how he contracted this in about 2015 and he has not been able to shake it even up to, until this day. And in his book where he's talking about the, all the suffering that he's gone through with this, he said, we as modern people have this idea that we've been buffered from, uh, from like physical disease. And we, we think of the fact that like back in the day, people used to kind of feel like, oh, I've got, you know, these diseases. Where do they come from? They must be like bad air or mists and stuff like that. So they felt very vulnerable. Today, because of the fact that we have antibiotics and vaccines, we feel kind of protected. So we feel like we have, like, can have confidence that things aren't going to assault us from the outside. And, you know, one of the pictures that I had up here that we apparently lost in transit was a picture of my, uh, uh, my son-in-law, Ehab Atala. He's a, a doctor up in Milwaukee. Now, he's been, like, fully vaccinated. He got, his, uh, he got his booster shot a month ago, and this last week uh, he was di diagnosed as being uh, uh, COVID positive. And I was talking to him on a phone yesterday, and I said, uh, so how you doing? He said, well, uh, you know, they diagnosed me as this on Thursday. He said, yesterday I had a sniffle, uh, just a little scratchy throat, that's it. He said, you know what, we've got to face the fact that these vaccines do not protect us from getting COVID. He says they'll protect us from going to the hospital. But he said, it's just, that's just the way that it is. And that kind of stuff kind of scares us, doesn't it? It kind of creeps us out. I mean, it was like we've, we've, all of a sudden we don't feel quite so like buffered. We don't, and the same thing happens when we get a diagnosis of cancer, right? Like sometimes you'll just have no, you'll be feeling just fine. All of a sudden it's like, whoa been diagnosed with cancer, and that, that's scary. You know, or, the, or the Lyme's disease. It just seems to come out of nowhere, and it just doesn't seem to be able to be dealt with. And suddenly, we don't feel so self-confident anymore. We don't feel like we got it all together. It's just, it's just kind of a scary feeling that we've got. And you know, that, that kind of thing happens in the physical realm, but I think it also happens in the spiritual realm. And so it's like, we just kind of feel like, okay, we got our little life together, and all of a sudden, God breaks through. And so here, all of a sudden, this like supernatural being just appears to these shepherds, and they're like, whoa! It's like, it's terrifying. It just reminded me of something that, from the great uh, Shakespearean play Macbeth. And in Macbeth, there's this, uh, there's this scene where um, he has killed off one of his best friends, this guy named Banquo that he thinks is a threat to him. And then the ghost of Banquo appears at this banquet. And like Macbeth is terrified of this thing. And his wife goes up to him. She can't figure out what's going on. And she goes, are you a man? Are you a man? And he says, yes, I'm a man. He says, send a tiger. He says, send a bear. Send anything. I'll fight him. But he says, this kind of supernatural stuff, I, I cannot handle this. And I think this is the way that these that the shepherds were. They're going like, wow, this just broke in. It showed them how... How vulnerable they were it's like whoa this is this is like crazy stuff and so let me just see where this you know what was there any other illustration that I had here okay and so I think the the basic thing is here many times we feel like you know what 
we, we, we just don't want God in our life because he's just almost like too scary. There's a place in Luke chapter 2, or not Luke chapter 2, but Luke chapter 8, where it's like these, uh, Jesus comes to this one region and there's this guy who's like, he's like full of demons. And he's just like, he's been, dist- he's been like cutting himself and he's been like wandering around and he's tearing off his clothes and he's all self-destructive. And Jesus comes to this man and he heals this guy. And the people of the town come out and they see here's this guy who was like crazy and self-destructive. And they find out that this guy is like in his right mind. He's fully clothed and everything's cool. And you know what the people of the town do? They tell Jesus, please leave. Please leave. It says they were just, fear had just passed over them. Why? You know, and I think about this with myself. If I had a situation like that in my neighborhood and some crazy guy that was a big threat to everybody had been healed by Jesus, I mean, my, I think my first reaction would be like, Jesus, stay here. You know, there's other crazy people in my neighborhood. You could take care of them too, you know. There's people who are sick. We could really use you. But these people tell him that there's Ehab. Um, they, they tell him, take off, take off, you know. And as, you know, they, and I think the bottom line here is, I don't know if we can get to that. There, here's the story from Luke chapter 8. This great wave of fear had swept over them. And my, my takeaway from this was this. Too often we would rather be independent of God and fail than take the risk of his entering our lives. You know, so often it's like I run into people and their lives are a wreck and they're so unhappy. And it's just like life is just going nowhere. And I say to them, you know, have you ever tried Jesus? Have you ever asked him in to your situation and called upon him? We go, no, I don't know if I want to do that. And I'm thinking, how could things get worse? But people are afraid. We're afraid of that. That kind of breaks into our little independent shell. Or people that are sick and you go, like, can I pray for you? They go, no. You know, and I think this is where the shepherds are. And I think I understand that, you know, that why they were terrified at this time. I think this is a tendency that we all too often have. Well, the next word that comes up is the word Savior. And it says, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. This word, Savior. Now, the idea of a Savior is that it's someone who rescues you. Rescuer from sin and death. It's like somebody who finds you in a situation where you're helpless and he's able to rescue you uh, from that. You know, uh, we have a real need for rescue. Sometimes we think we just need a little fix, but I thought this would be a good illustration here. That's a picture of Tim Cook, who's the CEO of Apple, right? Huge company. Many of us are carrying their products right in our pockets right now, right? But they've had a problem because uh, it's like employees are leaking some of their confidential information to the press. And Tim Cook issued this like very stern memo to, the, to some of the important people in his company. And he said, it's essential that we stop leaking information to the press. We are committed to uncovering the identity of leakers. We also know that people who leak confidential information do not belong here. Stern threat, right? How do we know that he sent out this memo? 
uh, somebody from the company leaked the memo to the press. <laughs> you know what, I is this not kind of characteristic of us, right? There's a certain rebellious streak in us, isn't that sometimes, don't you sometimes feel that? They go, this is what you gotta do, here's the mandate, whatever, go, no, 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 no. And even worse than that, in my own self, than my streak of rebelliousness, I think is the selfishness that I see there so often. You know, I, I mean, my wife will say, you know, things like, Jim, you know, I ought to do this thing here and visit these people. or you know, And I'm going like, yeah, well, I don't know. You know, and I just feel lazy. Don't you sometimes? You're going like, how can I get out of this, you know, or kind of pretend that I'm doing it, and you know, and it's just like, and, and I look at even like some of the, the good things that I do, that my motives are so self-centered so many times. And it's like there's this kind of deep, I think, corruption that's in each one of us that needs, we need a rescue. We don't just need a counselor or a little more wisdom. We, we, need, we need rescue. Maybe a, a little symbol of this is what's happening over in Brussels, Belgium. This is the Palace of Justice here that you're seeing. And you can see they've got this big crane thing working there. What they're doing right now is they're rebuilding the scaffolding that's been around this building for 37 years in an attempt to fix it. They've allocated $2 million now to fix the thing that's supposed to be fixing the building. And I think, and I think man, is this not like the way we work in our lives? I mean, many times, I mean, we've got deep-seated problems where we need a savior, we need a rescue. And, and so many times we end up just trying to deal with symptoms. And we try to find some kind of thing that'll make us feel a little better for a little while. Something that can maybe just help us, you know, see it in a little different way or find out where the problem came from. But it isn't like solving the real deep down issues. We need a savior. Uh, in John 3, there was this incident in Jesus' life where it says there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you understand what's going on here? Jesus basically insulted this guy. I mean, this guy came to Jesus and he's going, you're a great teacher. Can you give me some wisdom? That's what's implied here, right? Can you maybe show us, give us a little bit of insight or do something that maybe help us out a little bit? And Jesus says, you know what? You're a wreck. He goes, you need to be born again. We need a brand new you, pal. I mean, if, if this guy is like tracking with this, he's probably not feeling real good about himself. Jesus just knocked down his self-esteem a, a, a large distance. But he's going, Nicodemus, you need a savior. You don't need a few little fixes. You need a savior here. A savior is a rescuer, like I said. One of my favorite movies is um, uh, True Grit, the Coen Brothers version from 2010. And uh, there's this guy named Rooster Cogburn who's lived a kind of uh, unhealthy lifestyle kind of life, right? But he's, he's in a situation in the end where here's this 12-year-old girl that he's been befriending and helping on a mission that she hired him for and she's been bitten by a rattlesnake. And she is literally dying. And he has to carry her finally because his horse gives out 
trying desperately to find help. There's nothing she can do to help herself. I mean, she's unconscious. She is, there's nothing. She needs a rescue. And he is, facilitates the rescue that she needs. That's just a picture of the Savior who was born here that the shepherds are being told about. Anything less than a Savior is going to fall short of what we really need. Now, it also says here he's the Savior, but it says, yes, the Messiah. He's the Savior, and he's the Messiah. So let me just talk about that word Messiah here. The Messiah is this idea of he's the special designated one authorized to carry out the saving mission. This word Messiah is a Hebrew word, and the Greek version of it is Christ, right? So we use those words interchangeably. He's that Savior who is Christ, right? And he's the one that was promised for centuries. You're going like, there is one who is specially designated by God, and he is going to be the one who can actually perform the saving mission. He is the very special one. We have a lot of wannabe messiahs around, wannabe Christ's. People who want to be the Savior, sometimes we call them politicians. But there's all kinds of various vocations that we look to. We go, maybe that's the one that can really save us, can save me in this situation. This guy here, I think, was the classic wannabe. A uh, famous guy, actually, Fred DeMara. They made a movie about him called The Great Imposter. This was a guy who dropped out of high school when he was a junior. And he went into a monastery. He was there for a couple years, and then he got tired of that, and he decided he'd go in the Navy. So he went in the Navy. Now, this was the time of the Korean War. So he's in the Canadian Navy. He's on the ship, and he just tells everybody, he gives them a false name and tells them that he's a doctor. He goes, yeah, I'm a surgeon. And uh, it's during the Korean War. They got, they had, he actually performed 16 different surgeries. Uh, this is how he did it, they said. He would figure out what the guy's problem was, and then he'd tell the other medical guys, he'd go, okay, uh, prep him in the operating room. Then he'd dash off to his room, pull out medical textbooks. He was a guy who could speed read, and he had a photographic memory, and he'd read up on what you're supposed to do. And then he'd go back in there and operate on him. He did 16 surgeries. Nobody died. He was, it was absolutely amazing. They got through this whole thing. Eventually, the Canadian Navy found out about this guy, that he was an imposter. They were so embarrassed they decided just to kick him out and just keep it on the hush-hush, you know, what he was actually doing. So he leaves the Navy. He goes back uh, into the monastery thing. He eventually convinces them to, to found a college, and he becomes like a college lecturer. By the way, the college they founded is today called Walsh University in Canton, Ohio, right? And it was originally started in Maine, and it moved there. So he's doing this kind of stuff. He eventually goes... Uh, 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 led two different uh, Baptist churches as their pastor and did, uh, he did college lecturing like I said, he did counseling he was just, he was just tried, he goes like hey if there's a need I'll fill it, right? But this is like the, kind of like the wannabe Messiah, right? He's kind of dabbling in this stuff and so often this is what happens in our lives um, you know, Jesus pointed this out in John chapter 10. He goes, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. You know, they were self-serving people who were just like, hey, I, I want to be needed here. 
But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. We need a real Messiah. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the real Messiah. Anything less than the real Messiah is going to ultimately fail us. And it says, not only is he like the Savior, yes, the Messiah, but it says he's the Lord, the Lord. Now, this is interesting because the word Lord is a title of God himself. You know what? This is the first time I realized this. I went through Luke chapter 1 and then the beginning of Luke 2, right, that lead up to this story here of the shepherds, and I counted the number of times the word Lord was used. Do you know the word Lord was used 22 times before we got to this verse? And every time it refers to God Almighty, refers to God himself. This is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. That's big. That is huge. I, um, there's this guy named Lou Shun who wrote a classic short story that's called The Iron House. And it starts out like this. Imagine an iron house without windows, absolutely indestructible, with many people fast asleep inside who will soon die of suffocation. But you know, since they will die in their sleep, they will not feel the pain of death. Now, if you cry aloud to wake a few of the lighter sleepers, making those unfortunate few suffer the agony of irrevocable death, do you think you are doing them a good turn? I mean, I think the story he's writing is kind of a Kafkaesque story. There's no solution in this situation. And he's just posing like a problem here, right? But think about it. I think this is our predicament. I think in a spiritual sense, you and I are living in an iron house. You know, it's like we are mortal. You know, we know that we're going to die. And there's no way that we can get around that. And we know we've got sin problems. You know, just these corruption problems that just keep luring us back. And without help, we are going to be unable to break the hold of these problems. We're in this iron house, and it's only going to be God himself who's going to be able to break us out. That's why we need the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Only God himself can accomplish this rescue mission. And now we come to the part about peace which is the third word I wanted to look at right here. And I love this picture right here of what peace is really like, what Jesus is really talking about here. You know, with the storm in it, and then we've got this person who's just walking there with uh, you know, the, their umbrella. And uh, it comes from this, verse 13. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When you and I think of peace, we go like, oh, maybe Jesus is talking about an end to like armies going up against each other. Or maybe he's talking about, hey, there's going to be no more family strife now in my life. Or no more like disputes at work. And everything's going to be calm and chill. And it's going to be just 
wonderful, and he's not really talking about that. When Jesus talked to his disciples right before he went to the cross, he said this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He's going, don't expect there to be peace among the nations here on earth. Don't expect there to be a lack of strife or conflict or a lack of worries that are going to be going on in your life. But understand that when you're in me, you're going to have a deep peace that's going to be able to walk through these situations and handle them and have the strength to deal with them as they arise. God is promising his people peace in the midst of all of their worries. Now, I wanted to um, just talk about finally what I started out with, and that is, why are the shepherds the perfect guys to invite to this birthday? This birthday of the Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And I think that one of the reasons is that I, they knew they needed this invitation. It says in verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They're going, we got to get there. We got to find out about this. Now, why? You know, I think the reason we miss this is because we have kind of a romanticized view of the shepherds. So when we think of the shepherds, we go like, yeah, there's these poor guys, and they're out in the field, and they're just wonderful, sweet guys who are just kind of, maybe they're opening their Bibles, you know, and they're going like, oh my, when do you think the Messiah is going to show up? Could it be today? Possibly tomorrow? What do you think about that? And they talk, they're talking there, and they're just like, Wonderful guys that we'd like to meet and be friends someday. This was not what the shepherds typically were like in Jesus' day. The, shepherd, the shepherds in Jesus' day were known to be dishonest people. You know, they were just guys that you would not like to have in your neighborhood. The word honest shepherd is a it's an oxymoron, a contradiction in terms. It's like Super Bowl champion Browns, okay? <laughs> It's just like two things that are like really opposite of each other. When I picture the shepherds here, this is what I picture. I picture these kind of guys, you know. These are the shepherds of San Francisco, right? So it's like, whoa, chance to loot, let's do it, you know. If you had shepherds come into your, enroll in your school, lock your locker, lock your doors, right? If they move into your neighborhood, get cameras on your house, right? These are not nice guys. In Jesus' day, shepherds were not even allowed to give testimony in court because they're going like, these guys are totally unreliable. And so when the, these shepherds got this news right here, they're going like, whoa, he's talking right to us. They had no illusions like I think a lot of people have. Like, well, I'm pretty good. I don't really need a savior. You know, I could maybe get a few little pieces of advice somewhere. No, they were not like that. They're going like, whoa, this is what maybe we actually need to get our act together here. And then, look what they did. Verse 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. You know, look what it said. They hurried to the village. You know what that means? You can't hurry if you're taking your sheep with you. 
So they're going like, you know what? We're going to just abandon our career here for a couple of hours, and we're going to take off, you know? They dropped everything to get to Jesus. They knew this was important stuff. They were also, like, taking a huge risk with this, too, right? Because what's going to happen uh, when, if the, you know, if the sheep, like, wander off or get into trouble, it's like they're going to lose their, their, not only their jobs, but their whatever reputation they had as being, like, competent shepherds here. And it's just like this is the word, I think, for you and me here. And that is, you know, instead of, like, running away with the loot, to run to Jesus. Run to Jesus, you know. Hurry to him. Leave whatever you need to leave behind. You know, so many times we go, yeah, I'd like to come to Jesus, but you know what? I, you know, I got these, uh, the family members aren't going to like this. I was just thinking of a couple of people that I've been in contact with in the last couple of weeks who work in ministry. One of them in, in Turkey where here, here's a number of people who have now come to the Lord, but they, they've had to leave their family to do it. And another guy who's working at University of Illinois in Chicago, and here's a Hindu girl who's become a believer, but her family is, is rejecting her. But they, had, they ran to Jesus. They dropped what they had before and because this is so important to come to the Savior who is Christ the Lord. And sometimes it's, you know, who knows what's going to happen. There could be things that we've treasured in our lives. There, there could be, you know, like I said, relationships or careers or whatever it is, but he's worth it to go and, and get to the Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this is our Christmas invitation to, to run to Jesus. Drop it all. Leave it all behind. If you're here this morning and you've never actually taken that step to, to follow him, I'm saying, like, this is the time to do it. He's not only the Savior, he's the Messiah. He is the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we... Uh, come to you this morning. We just want to thank you for opening up our eyes and extending this very invitation that you arranged to have the shepherds get, to, that you've arranged that we got this invitation to. And Lord, we realize, you know, as we in our more honest moments, our desperate need for you. And so Jesus, we want to thank you for coming to this earth and just presenting yourself to us and putting yourself in a situation where you could actually bring about a salvation that we could not ever accomplish by ourselves and open up our hearts, Lord, just to receive you in all that you've got. Thank you so much for, for making these things possible for us. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being our Messiah. Thank you for being the Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.